certainly we congratulate Pastor and Sister Hughes on 24 years of faithful service right here in Webster, southeast Houston area. And we're thankful for all that the Lord has done over the years. Now, this is my first time to preach to you as church. I've been here for sectional uh, conferences or, or so on when I was district superintendent. But first time to be with you on a Sunday morning. And we certainly do want to hear from God today, don't we? It's more than a formality, more than a ceremonial occasion. But we want to make contact with the Lord. We want to hear from Him. We want to respond. The Lord wants to do some things in our midst. Uh, but I'd like to take a moment before my wife sings to say that I serve as the General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International, and you are a part of that church. Our mission is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. Now, a, a local church can do great things on its own, but we can never reach the world unless we join together. And so I want to thank you and thank your pastor for your faithful support, your Missions giving, your participation in various district events and national events, all that you do because we have about 4,500 churches in the U.S. and Canada. And by binding together, we have a truly worldwide program with over 40,000 congregations in 221 nations and territories around the world. And that's because of churches just like yours. You can see what God is doing here locally. But you can't always see what God is doing worldwide. But every prayer that you pray, every dollar that you give, every soul that you influence to serve the Lord here, not only benefits the kingdom here, but it has effects that go around the world. And these are the greatest days of revival in the history of the church. And uh, the UPCI is not the total body of Christ, but we, we believe that we're a significant part of what God is doing in these last days. So God has blessed us. We have more ministers than ever before, over 10,000 here in the U.S. and Canada, more churches than ever before, more constituents than ever before, more financial strength than ever before. Uh, our missionaries were traveling one and a half to two years to raise money. Now the average is down to nine months. So that's a significant change. Amen. Uh, we are able to purchase a new headquarters building in St. Louis. It was built. For $17 million, we got it for $8 million. We sold our old building, and uh, with the savings on our maintenance utilities, we're actually covering the mortgage with our operational costs. So God has given us a new building for free, and uh, that's a miracle in itself. Uh, and uh, we didn't have to raise money for it. We used our own UPCI loan fund, so we actually owe the money to ourselves which is a nice thing. Nobody's going to foreclose on us. Um, we started Urshan College, Urshan Graduate School of Theology. The graduate school is already accredited. Next year, well, there's a, going to be a candidacy site visit, which we hope that will result in the undergraduate program being accredited. So we made great strides um, in many areas of the field in the work of God. But I want to share this one thought with you. We as Pentecostals, we look at the book of Acts as our example. Not just a history book of what happened 2,000 years ago, but what the church is supposed to be like today. Well, on the day of Pentecost, 3,120 received the Holy Ghost. Did you know in our day we're seeing that kind of revival? Last year, uh, actually a year and a half ago, I was in El Salvador. In one day, we saw over 
Well, it was actually 3,800 or so people received the Holy Ghost in our national conference. 35,000 people in attendance. In the Philippines last year, again, 35,000 our national conference, 5,000 received the Holy Ghost. And so we are living in the good old days. The greatest days of revival are right now. It's not time just to, uh, to hold the fort. It's time to aggressively move forward. I believe God has given us a window of opportunity for revival. You see what's going around in our culture, how it's moving steadily away from God. But with all of the things that have happened recently, I believe politically and economically, God has kind of opened an opportunity. It may not last long, but it's our time to push forward in revival and see what God Amen. will do. Do you believe it? Oh, yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So good to be with you this morning. And this is my first time here. Brother Bernard, I think, was here a while back for a sectional conference. But you know, a beautiful facility here. But more important is the Spirit of God that I feel here. I can tell that you're anxious for God to do something within these four walls. And it takes all of us working together. And, you know, this morning I'm going to go way back. I've been singing some of the older songs. I love the new songs, but there's nothing like the old songs. And um, I, I never want to forget the day that he reached down and he saved me. And he touched me. And I'm thankful for that this morning. Shackled by a head. The burden Neath the load of guilt And shame In the hand of Jesus Touched me That floods my 
chapter 7 and verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. This is shortly before Israel was to enter the land of promise that God had given them. And God knew they would face many different people who serve many different gods. But He wanted them to be confident there's only one God. And so in Deuteronomy 6, 4, He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is one Lord. We still believe that today. There's only one God, one Lord. And so now in the next chapter we pick up in Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And I want to preach for a little while today the faithful God. And you may be seated. The faithful God. You know, a church doesn't survive and a pastoral ministry doesn't thrive for 24 years just on emotions of the moment or exciting events or victory reports. There are a lot of trials. There's a lot of hard work. There are a lot of tears. There are a lot of just day in and day out just doing the job. But Through it all, what makes the difference is the faithful God. God is faithful. If we were just doing a business, Brother Hughes, it really wouldn't be worth it. If it was just a career, there are better ways to have a career, just in the natural sense. But when God is in it, then it's worthwhile because people will fail us, even the best. And we as leaders, sometimes we may fail, not maybe not intentionally, but Because we're human, through neglect or oversight, a mistake, wrong judgment, whatever it may be. But one thing about it is God is faithful. You can always count on Him. And uh, the strength of a church obviously rests to a great extent in the leadership. But more than that, the strength of the church rests in the Almighty God because He is the faithful God. Amen. The faithful God. And so, as I mentioned earlier, God wanted to make sure his people understood that there's only one true God, that he's the only one that they should worship. In this context, the term faithful identifies the true God in contrast to all the false gods. One of the ways that Israel could know who their God was and who to worship, 
He alone was the faithful God. The other gods were unfaithful. Now, what does it mean to be faithful or unfaithful? To be faithful means to be steadfast, loyal, true, someone who keeps his word, someone who will not let you down. The opposite is unfaithful. The book of Proverbs talks about an unfaithful person. It says that person is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. Think about it. If you've, you've got a, a, a foot out of joint, let's say you're sitting there in the chair and uh, you've got a twisted ankle or a broken foot and uh, you're just sitting there, nobody really knows it, may not really be a problem. But when you stand up and put your weight on it, it fails. It lets you down. The broken tooth may not really be a problem until you bite down on the apple. If you didn't have a problem before, now you know you've got a problem. In other words, unfaithful doesn't mean it never works. But when you don't need it, it seems okay. But just when you need it the most, it lets you down. An unfaithful friend will show up for the party. An unfaithful friend will let you take them out to dinner. An unfaithful friend will be there for lots of things. But just when you need them the most, they're nowhere to be found. When you need help, when you need a loan, when you need moral support, when you need to stand up against opposition, the unfaithful friend is no longer there. And I want you to know that the people of this world, they still serve various gods. Now, maybe not a lot of people around here worship Baal and Chemosh and Ashtaroth, the Dagon, the gods of the of ancient Palestine. But don't fool yourself. The people of Houston, they serve gods. Because whatever would prevent us from worshiping the true God and obeying His will, that in effect becomes our God. So for some people it's money, material possessions. For some people it's social status. For some people it's pleasure. They can't really be faithful to church because they have too many things they want to do. The pleasures of life might be sinful things or maybe even things that aren't necessarily sinful, but it takes priority over the will of God. So that becomes their God. For some people it's their philosophy, their way of life, their religious tradition. They're not going to be baptized in Jesus' name because of their religious tradition. So in effect, that becomes their priority in life over the Word of God. Now here's the thing about it. The various gods of this world may seem to be blessing people when everything's going well. So people say, You know, I've got money in the bank. I'm settled for retirement. I can do what I want to do. I'm enjoying life. I do this and that and the other. I don't really need church. I don't really need God. I can take care of myself. And it may seem that that's working just fine. Their philosophy is working after all. But you can't test a God when everything's going well. What happens when you lose your job? What happens when the doctor gives you a very negative diagnosis? What happens when one of your kids is in trouble, on drugs, in jail? What happens when there's a terrible automobile accident that affects your family? What happens when your marriage is under attack, perhaps falling apart? Most of all, what happens at the moment of death itself? In all these other situations, you'll find the gods of this world are unfaithful. Just when you need them the most, they'll let you down. 
They don't have the answer. They cannot solve your problems. I'm here to tell you there's only one God who is faithful in the good times and the bad times. There's only one God who's faithful in sickness and in health. There's only one God who's faithful when you've got lots of money and when you don't have any money. There's only one God who can bring you through all the trials of this life. There's only one God who can bring you into eternal life. He's known in the Old Testament as Jehovah, but He has been revealed in the flesh as the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the faithful God. Oh, let's worship Him right now. He's the faithful God. You can trust Him. You can count on Him. He's the faithful God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can put your trust in Him. He will not let you down because He's the faithful God. Let me share a few ways in which our God is faithful. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we have a well-known verse of Scripture that says, Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, this verse tells us how we please God, how we live for God, how we're saved. It's by faith. We're saved and we receive God's blessings by trusting in him. It's not by our good works. We don't try to live a holy life in order to get saved. We live a holy life because we are saved. And holiness is not something that we manufacture by our own ability. It's something that God works in us as we trust in him. So from start to finish, our salvation is by grace through faith. It's God's gift to us that we receive when we trust in him. Nobody is saved by boasting and bragging to God of all they've done. The only thing we can boast about is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. That's where our boasting comes in. We don't trust in what we can do to save ourselves. We trust in what Jesus Christ has done to save us. When we're baptized in Jesus' name, the preacher's not washing away our sins. It's Jesus Christ who's washing away our sins. When we receive the Holy Ghost, it's not because we're better than anybody else. It's because we trust in God. We open our heart to Him. We have faith in Him. He's the one who fills us. Amen. But notice there is a statement implied here that if we do put our faith in the Lord, we will not be disappointed because He will be faithful to us. We must believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, God is not prejudiced. He's not biased. He's not arbitrary. He's faithful. It doesn't matter who you are. If you seek him, he will respond to you because he's the one who's actually been seeking each one of us. And so this is a very powerful statement that God is faithful to save. 
If you want to be saved, you can be saved. If you want your sins washed away, you can have your sins washed away. If you want to be filled with God's Spirit, you can be filled with God's Spirit. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, if you speak English or Spanish, if you've got lots of money or you don't have money, if you have a certain education or don't. None of the things by which somebody might evaluate you or judge you or label you, God does not look at that. Even your past life of sin, it does not matter what kind of sins you've committed, what kind of lifestyle you're in. The media would try to portray that that we Christians are bigoted and hateful of those who don't share our faith. That's not it at all. We welcome everyone and we treat them with respect regardless of their lifestyle. We do not hate them. We welcome them because we know the gospel is the answer for every human being. Praise God. So regardless of all those circumstances and others I haven't mentioned, God does not reject people on any of those, any, any, any basis like that. If that a person wants to come to God in repentance, if a person will seek God, God will hear them. How can I be so sure? Because that's the kind of God he is. He's faithful. God is faithful to save. That means he'll do it every time. He's a God of character. He keeps his word. He's faithful to save. Now, my wife and I went to Austin, Texas, 20, almost, yes, 25 years ago now. We started church in her home, and God blessed it over the years. We were pastor there 18 years until I became general superintendent. But we started in her home, went to a rented building for four years, went through three or four building programs. It's now, if you go to Austin, there's a beautiful church there, New Life on Mopac on the North uh, Expressway there. And uh, 12 acres of land right there on the freeway, about 100,000 square feet of building. And uh, it, the, the initial sanctuary will seat about 1,000. Pastor Rodney Shaw is there. And eventually, as the congregation grows, there's room to expand the seating to about 2,500. So we saw the church grow from every stage from literally in our living room to the freeway. In the meantime, we started 16 other churches out of that mother church. And so, you know, there are probably between the mother church, roughly 1,000 people, all the other churches, roughly 1,000 people. We, we, it, there are probably 2,000 people that would somehow identify or be associated with one of those churches. And so I could spend the rest of the day, and you could, Brother Hughes, you could do that too, giving testimonies of what God has done to the people that are right in this church, the people who have gone out from this church, maybe to other places, the miracles that God has done of all kinds of backgrounds. But we saw people saved. I personally had the privilege of baptizing people who are Muslim, seeing them receive the Holy Ghost, to see Buddhists receive the Holy Ghost, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons. Atheists and agnostics, Catholics, Protestants. We even saw people raised Pentecostal got saved in our church. God can do anything. One, when we were building our first building, I served as a general contractor, even though I didn't know anything about it. But that was the only way that we could financially afford it. So, anyway, we needed a good concrete subcontractor who would who knew what he was doing, since I didn't. And uh, so we went through this process. We found a guy, 
he was pretty wild, but he did a good job for a reasonable price. He had been a rock and roll concert promoter. He finally settled down in Austin. Uh, but he was living the high life, started a business, was a millionaire at a young age, had everything he wanted, a beautiful home, uh, cars, motorcycle, boat, airplane. You know, he was living the high life. We tried to talk to him about the Lord, but he was an agnostic. He didn't know if there was a God, didn't care. He didn't want to talk about it. That was the end of the subject. It's just a job. Well, four years later, we were building phase two. We tried to get a hold of him again. Well, this time we found out it took a hard, long time to get a hold of him because his business had crashed. He had lost everything. He had lost all those things that I had just mentioned, all those possessions. He and his wife were on the verge of divorce. He was on alcohol and drugs. He couldn't sleep at night. He was taking pills to try to make himself sleep. He was emotionally a wreck. Well, he needed a job, so we hired him as a foreman. Our men began working with him. And uh, this time he was a little more open to listening. You know, Tony didn't believe in God, but God believed in Tony. God, I believe, gives an opportunity to every human being at some point in their life to, to have, be able to respond to whatever they know. If they will respond to that, then God will continue to lead them. And so our men begin talking to Tony, saying, you know, you need the Lord. If you want to get your life back on track, get your business restored or get a better situation, if you want your marriage to be restored, if you want to be delivered from alcohol and drugs, if you want to be healed, you need God. And so I was sitting in my office, and one of the men came from next door where they were working and said, Pastor, Tony's been repenting of his sins here on the job. He wants to get baptized in Jesus' name right now. Praise God. So we took a break, baptized him in Jesus' name. Men's conference is coming up. So the men said, okay, Tony, everybody that goes to men's conference receives the Holy Ghost. You've got to go. So he went, went to every service, prayed at the front. He never received the Holy Ghost. Saturday they were coming back from the last service and uh, coming back to the hotel to check out. And he said, I thought you told me I'd receive the Holy Ghost. They said, you will. We haven't checked out yet. We're going to have a prayer meeting. And they prayed in the hotel room until Tony received the Holy Ghost. Praise God. His wife came into the church. Their marriage was restored. You see, even though we might say, here's a person who doesn't even believe in God. How could they be saved? But remember, God is faithful. Your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors, don't write them off. Simply live a godly life, bear the fruit of the Spirit, share what Jesus Christ has done for you and your family. Just be there and be prayerful. You never know what will happen. Obviously, some people will reject it. But from God's point of view, we know that God will do His part. If we pray, if we share the Word, if we give the opportunity, we know what God will do. Because God is faithful to save. He's reaching out to every human being because he is not willing that any should perish. God is faithful to save. Now let me continue in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. There's another interesting statement about the faithfulness of God. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is 
faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now notice this letter was written to the church, not to unbelievers. It says, if we confess our sins. Now, I have, I, I'm going to tell you something that's very shocking. If you haven't ever heard this before, this could really disturb you. And if it disturbs you too much, meet with Pastor Hughes after church, make an appointment. I'm not going to be here, so he can follow up and straighten you out. But here's the shocking theological statement. Sometimes Christians sin. I know it's not supposed to happen. We're supposed to live a holy life. We don't have to sin every day like some people teach. Because if you read chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I write these things that you sin not. Each day we should get up dedicated to the Lord and live for God that day. But sometimes we may fail. Perhaps it's not a very obvious act that everybody sees, but it might be our attitude, our thoughts, our speech. In those times, a devil would like to beat us up and say, you're a hypocrite, you're a failure, you're a sinner. You just quit going to church. That church is too strict anyway. You'll never make it. If we keep going, the devil beat us up and say, you can never be a prayer warrior. You can never be a soul winner. You can never be a praise leader because you're a sinner. You're a failure. Now, if we're living in sin, we ought to feel conviction. That conviction motivates us to repent. But when we recognize our sin and repent to God, God forgives us. Do not accept condemnation from the devil. Don't accept it from other people. Don't accept it from your own self-talk. Have you confessed it to God? Do you have a desire to live for God? Do you want to walk in the Spirit? If so, accept the forgiveness that God freely gives us. You say, but I don't really feel it right now. Don't go by your feelings. Go by the Word of God. It says he's faithful to do it. That means he'll do it every time. He keeps his word. He'll be there for you. God is faithful not only to save us in the beginning, but God is faithful to restore. So whether it's the sin of a moment that we immediately realize and confess, or whether we're just kind of drifting and going colder and colder for weeks and months, or whether we just turn around and walk away from God and openly backslide, go to a sinful lifestyle. Whatever the case may be, if we'll come back to God, we'll find He's still there where we left Him. If we'll open our heart to God, God is faithful to restore. God is faithful to restore. He's that kind of a God. He'll do it every time. Count on Him. Don't give up on yourself, your family, anybody else. Realize we're serving the faithful God. I've been telling you about Tony. You know, when somebody's lived, and I'm not sharing anything that he has not testified about publicly, but when someone has lived in a worldly way for a long time, you can be saved in one day, but you have to learn how to live a new way of life. You've got to learn how to get rid of old habits and adopt godly habits. 
And so some of our men began checking with Tony every single day. They would talk to him. And they would say, look, if you're struggling with alcohol, drugs, whatever, you're, you know, and, and you feel like you're overwhelmed, call us. We'll pray with you over the phone. We'll come to meet you if necessary. Day or night, we're going to be there. So for like about one year, they followed up with him. And sure enough, during that time, Tony did fail. He got so discouraged that he refused to come to church. His wife kept coming, but he wouldn't come. He wouldn't respond to phone, email, letter, anything. Finally, I invited him for Easter Sunday. No response. He wasn't there. So that afternoon, I went over to his house to check to make sure he was going to be there, checked with his wife. I knocked on the door. I let myself in, and I said, Tony, you need to come to church. You failed, but God didn't fail. You fell down, but God didn't fall down. God did not do the work of salvation in your life to let it slip away from you now. He will do whatever it takes to make sure you succeed. Because God is like that. I said, nobody at church is standing in judgment over you, critical. When you show up, nobody's going to be attacking you. Why haven't you been here? They're just going to be saying, hey, it's great to see you. We've been missing you here. So glad you're here. And we were having a drama, some mini dramas that night. So he finally, I finally convinced him, you know, it's, it's not even really a service. It's just an Easter play. Of course, just an Easter play. As he came that night, the Spirit of God moved upon him. And sure enough, he found his way in the front, down at the altar. God renewed him in the Holy Ghost. Because God is faithful to restore. Now that was, that was 16 years ago. Tony and his wife are still in the church. They started a new business. It's gone great. They, In fact, they... They bought all those kind of things. He uses an airplane in his business. In fact, he was going to fly me here this morning, but it's too windy. And then we decided to stay. The, the forecast said high wind. So um, then we decided to stay Sunday night, and I didn't know if we were, it was Sunday morning or Sunday night. And so I said, well, we'll just drive and spend the night. But he, we were going to get up early this morning, just fly over here and fly back. But um, he, he also has shares in a helicopter. We've done that too. Just get up in the morning, go somewhere in helicopter, land the next door to the church, preach, get back. We did that in the ward out there in the country. I think half the town was watching us. Uh, but just got out there and preached for Brother Mike Williams, who's out of our church, and got back in the helicopter and went back to Austin. As I have a, a home there, although I'm in St. Louis uh, three weeks out of the month, but. Uh, we still kind of go back and forth between Texas and Missouri. But God has blessed him. He's also an ordained minister of the United Pentecostal Church because God is faithful not only to save but also to restore. That means anybody can be saved with a, with a God like that. Any one of us can be saved. One more verse, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, 
There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Now, here, here's another shocking statement that may require pastoral guidance. Sometimes Christians have trials. Now, I realize if you're new in church, we tell you it's joy unspeakable, full of glory. If you'll just live for God, it'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. All that's true. But we don't usually tell you, oh, by the way, there are trials. But if you're shocked by trials, well, wait just a minute. It's not just because you're living for God. It's because you're a human being. We still live in a sinful world. We're still members of the fallen human race. We have not been glorified yet. As long as you're in this world, you're going to have trials. Don't blame God. Did you know people in the world that don't, don't serve God? Do you know sometimes they get in car wrecks too? They go to the hospital too. They have divorces. They have loved ones die. I mean, this is what happens. But God did not promise to block all our trials. But he promised to screen our trials. So there would be no trial too big for us to bear. The fact that you're going through the trial is proof that you can get out of that trial because God would have never let it come your way if there wasn't a way out. I'm here to tell you there is a way of escape. There is deliverance. There is victory. You are going to win. You are going to have a new beginning. You are going to have a new life. You will overcome. The devil will be defeated. You will not be defeated because God's plan for you is victory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. God will make a way of escape. Now, sometimes God delivers instantly. And when he does, we have a great testimony that we share. How many times have we been almost at a wreck and then suddenly, out of nowhere, unexplainably, we're delivered? How many times have we been sick or a child is very sick, we pray, and instantly God delivers? How many times, it looks like you have cancer or some other thing, we go for a further test and then, boom, it's all gone. There are many times we testify of miracles. Other times God lets us go through the trial for days, weeks, months, maybe years. Sometimes we die waiting for the answer. But if that happens, when you wake up, there's your answer. There's your healing. There's your deliverance. If you're a Christian, you cannot lose. But here's the thing about it. If you have to go through a trial, God will sustain you during that trial until it's the right time to deliver you out of that trial. That's what this passage says. God is faithful to sustain and deliver. You say, but Brother Bernard, you've never been through what I'm going through. You're probably right. I'm 60 years old. I've been through a few things of my own. I've got a few testimonies I could share. But I'm not just basing this on personal testimony. I'm basing it on the Word of God. The Bible says God is faithful. He keeps His Word. He will do it every time. You can count on Him. You can depend upon Him. If you're going through a trial, God will give you the grace for that trial. Look for it. Pray for it. 
in time of trouble, don't run away from God. Run to God. Don't run away from the church. Run to the church. Don't run away from the pastor. Run to the pastor. Find grace. There is grace for you. God has promised it. God will sustain you. And then at the right time, God will deliver you. There will be a victory. There will be a time to shout. There will be a time to rejoice. There will be a deliverance. You will overcome. You will be victorious because God is faithful to sustain and deliver. Oh, let's praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. The faithful God. I could share many testimonies, but as I travel around the world and get reports, it's truly amazing what God is doing. Do you know we have thousands of believers in the Middle East? Almost all those countries, including Iran. Iraq, countries where we're persecuted, where you cannot even operate openly because if you convert someone, you could be executed. Or if you convert from Islam, you could be executed. So I'm going to be very deliberately vague. But do you know we have believers meeting in house churches? We have believers who are watching services streamed online in the Internet in their language. We have believers it's too risky to baptize them in their own country We tell them to go to the neighboring country where we can operate openly. We baptize them in Jesus' name and send them back home after their vacation. This is your own fellow United Pentecostal brothers and sisters we're talking about. We had to smuggle one of our pastors out of Pakistan because he baptized a Muslim. The the village found out about it. They were going to kill him. He had to flee for his life. But in those circumstances, we have believers. I'm going to go this year. I'll be vague because of what the Internet. But uh, in some of the largest countries of the world, we have, we have underground churches. And I go there sometimes for training of leaders. We can't do it openly. We have to do it under the guise of some other type of meeting. But I've got a report about one of our large countries where what they did for Christmas is they rented a big hall downtown and had a Christmas banquet. Advertised it as a Christmas banquet, and they got all their church people from all the city to come. After everybody's in there, they closed the doors, and they had church. So they could find a legal way to gather, and then they had church. I've baptized people in my hotel bathtub. I've, I've waded out into the river as if we were swimming and gotten far enough out baptized people in the river. Climbed up a mountain and baptized 17 people in a mountain stream where nobody was around. It's nice, cool water. Not too bad for the person getting baptized, but for the one standing in the water for 17 baptisms, it get pretty cold. Right now in Central Asia, we've got a team in some of these Muslim countries that are going down and making contacts, getting people baptized in Jesus' name. So whatever trial you're going through, It may be real, it may be tough, but it's probably not any more difficult than what some of your own fellow believers are experiencing in some of these other nations around the world. And you know, when I go to those places and have those meetings, they're not cowering in fear. 
They're not sitting there grumbling and worried and complaining and why isn't God helping us? No, they're rejoicing. They have a positive attitude. They're asking for prayer that God would help them be a witness, that God would save their families, that God would give an open door for witness. So if God can work in other nations of the world, if God can bring a church out of the Middle East, don't you think God can do something right here in Houston, Texas? Don't you think right here God can deliver you? Sure he can. He's faithful. Let's stand together. The faithful God is here right now. God is faithful to save. He's faithful to restore. And he's faithful to sustain and deliver. Oh, I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.